Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Look at this tornado. Tornado Live, on the ground right, right now, there. This is what's happening. It is headed towards the city of Tuscaloosa. Again, I can't emphasize enough from Skyland Boulevard northward, this is going to be a violent tornado. We're talking very dangerous, very high winds, structural damage Stop! that could be extensive. This could cause not only the damage for structure, but a loss of life. That's why I want you in a safe spot right now. Folks, you know, you're watching the tornado live on TV right now on CBS 42 that is headed towards the city of Tuscaloosa. This is looking right into it. This is not a rain-wrapped tornado. This is a rare supercellular mesocyclone. This is a tornado that is going to be doing a lot of damage. Look at the debris right here. See that wrapping back around? That is what's getting churned up by this tornado. My gosh, look at the size of this tornado. This is a massive, Large massive tornado, tornado on the ground. On April 27, 2011, known as Day 1 of the 2011 Super Outbreak, the Storm Prediction Center, which collates all tornado activity, counted 219 tornadoes in the United States, breaking the 24-hour record of 147 tornadoes set back in 1974, which, as terrible as it was, seems small today by comparison. April 27, 2011, was an apocalypse for the American South. Of those 219 tornadoes counted, 50 touched down in Alabama, and 79 hit the ground in Tennessee, accounting for well over half the tornadoes that touched down on that day. The tornadoes were incredibly powerful, cutting long and wide paths of devastation through fields, forests, towns, and cities, paths that knew no reason and spared no innocence. Please take cover immediately. Here is Skyline Boulevard, right there. Here is the tornado. It's now about to move across the airport. Uh, it's just moved through Foster's. Uh, let's just, uh, let's go ahead and go through some of the communities. I'm gonna get as detailed as possible. Eventually it will be crossing over uh, US Highway. Um, uh, actually it's moving up 11 right now. Okay. Go in closer for me, all right? We're gonna get, okay. we're gonna get right down on this. Okay, let's go back to, oh my God, look at that. Wow. Oh, that's oh my city. God. Take cover immediately. Take cover immediately. This yes. is a very Ladies and gentlemen, this is a large tornado on the ground. Please take cover immediately. This is a very violent tornado. We lost the shot again. It's going to come back. We, we will get it back. Many of the twisters stayed on the ground for miles, gathering debris and spinning it in a killer vortex of 200 mile per hour plus winds, picking up semi trucks like toys and flinging them hundreds of yards. 
bouncing SUVs off the tops of water towers, wrapping cars around trees like you would twist a beer can, turning fortified high schools and buildings into twisted masses of concrete and metal, cutting huge ravines into once peaceful fields, tearing up asphalt roads, and wiping small towns literally off the map, leaving nothing but sticks and rubble where Main Street existed only hours before. We see the pictures on the internet and the TV, but we're so besieged with data that unless we're directly affected in some way, it just slips out of our consciousness and it's forgotten. But those who lived it will never forget. The devastation and loss of life that day, April 27, 2011, was horrendous. There were a reported 317 fatalities, the most tornado-related fatalities in the United States in a single day since the tri-state outbreak on March 18, 1925, when at least 747 people were killed at a time when there was no TV and no early warning system in place. That month, April of 2011, was to give the U.S. a record-breaking four EF-5 tornadoes, the most powerful tornadoes in existence, touched down that day when in any given year, one EF-5 makes the news. And April 27th was only day one of what was later described as the super outbreak of 2011, the costliest tornado outbreak in history, with over 349 tornadoes counted and damages exceeding over 11 billion dollars. And we will never forget the EF-5 that struck Joplin, Missouri less than one month later. 2011 was a bad year for tornadoes. We can't bring back the lives lost or the towns that were leveled in 2011 by what was described by President Obama as the worst devastation he had ever seen. You cannot fight a power of nature which meteorologists describe as anywhere between eight and six hundred times more powerful than the atomic bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. But you can try to understand it. And once you understand it, you may be able to seek better ways to prevent yourself and those within your family from becoming victims. Thousands of people who have experienced killer storms are alive today due to either sheer luck or knowledge of what to do, combined with efforts of many others to provide warning systems that signal approaching storms. Every country in the world has experienced tornadoes, but some are more prone than others. And we're going to cover the world's hotspots. So depending on where you are, you might be surprised to know that since 1900, deadly tornadoes have occurred in Austria, Belgium, Cyprus, Finland, France, Germany, Italy, Malta, Poland, Portugal, Romania, Russia, the Czech Republic, Spain, China, the Middle East, Japan, Mexico, Canada, and the UK, which surprisingly is one of the top locations for tornadoes, although their variety is generally not life-threatening. Our goal here is to give you and I a good understanding of tornadoes, what conditions cause them, where they take place, who monitors them, and how to stay alive if at all possible if you're caught in one. The super outbreak of 2011 provides a teachable example of where we currently are in forecasting and how we got there and how dangerous this type of storm can be. Of all nature's calamities, hurricanes, cyclones, earthquakes, blizzards, volcanoes, tornadoes are the most dangerous 
and unpredictable. In the continental U.S., the Storm Prevention Center, called the SPC, is responsible for predicting hazardous weather at the University of Oklahoma at the National Weather Center. These guys, the SPC, are the elephant in the room for tornado forecasting in the U.S. today. The Storm Prediction Center is tasked with forecasting the risk of severe thunderstorms and tornadoes in the contiguous United States. And to get all of us caught up to speed on how tornadoes are measured in terms of strength or wind velocity, we currently use the Fujita Scale, named after Dr. Ted Fujita, a University of Chicago severe storms research scientist who created the scale in 1971. The scale has seen some changes through the years, but the basics are still in place. Although it's impossible to accurately measure the wind speed inside tornadoes, as they have a tendency to destroy any weather instruments placed in their path, engineers, researchers, and storm chasers have been able to deliver enough statistics on wind velocity and damage created at varying wind speeds to give us a scale that is fairly dependable. Today, the scale in place is the Enhanced Fujita Tornado Intensity Scale. The scale is extremely important because it allows the rating of buildings as to their ability to withstand tornado force winds. As a home buyer, you can now, with certainty, have a home built or a special room built which can withstand the force of a 200 mile per hour tornado. When the roof goes, the walls collapse, so the roof is the key element to the survival of the building. The Fujita scale has been in use since 2007 and it can be used to rate storms that took place decades ago, provided there was a record of damages sustained. This is a brief description. The storm's rankings start with the letters E, F, and then are given a ranking of 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. On the E, F-0, wind speeds are 65 to 85 mile per hour. You'll see light damage. This storm will peel the surface off some roofs, also provide damage to gutters or siding. Branches will break off trees. Shallow-rooted trees are pushed over. In an EF-1, you've got wind speeds of 86 to 110 miles per hour. Typical observations include moderate damage, roofs severely stripped, mobile homes overturned or badly damaged, loss of exterior doors, windows, and other glass broken. That's an EF1. In an EF2, the estimated wind speeds are 111 to 135 miles per hour. Your typical observations? Considerable damage with an EF2. Roofs torn off well-constructed houses. Foundations of frame homes shifted. Mobile homes completely destroyed. Large trees snapped or uprooted. Light object missiles generated. Cars lifted off the ground. That's an EF2. In an EF3, estimated wind speeds are 136 to 165 miles per hour. Your typical observations? Severe damage. Entire stories of well-constructed houses destroyed. Severe damage to large buildings such as shopping malls. Trains overturned. Trees debarked. Heavy cars lifted off the ground and thrown. Structures with weak foundations blown away some distance. That's an EF3. In an EF4, you have wind speeds of 166 to 200 miles per hour. And well-constructed houses, completely leveled. 
cars thrown, and small missiles generated. In an EF-5, you're looking at winds of over 200 miles per hour. Typical observations include incredible damage, strong frame houses leveled off foundations and swept away, automobile-sized missiles flying through the air, high-rise buildings have significant structural deformation. Incredible phenomena will occur. As you can see by these scales, loss of human life becomes a factor with EF-1 and EF-2, with overturned cars, destroyed mobile homes, and falling trees. With each increase in velocity, the damage and potential loss of life becomes catastrophic. Based on the description we just gave of an EF-5, with strong frame houses completely leveled, and automobile-sized missiles flying through the air, cities with high-rises being destroyed, and neighborhoods totally devastated. It is a horrific scene. Now imagine four EF-5 tornadoes touching down on the same day, and you have April 27, 2011. Can you warn these people in this house? Hello? You've got a tornado coming right at you, ma'am? Yeah, do you, you have a tornado seller? Can you see the tornado coming right at you? Uh, this is Paratech. I copied you. 430 north of 514. Tornado on the ground. I'm, I think Central may have went down for some reason. Fire figure might be out also if it's up there. It's supposed to be out. Tornado. God, that is massive. Not good. Alright, we're gonna get going. Tornadoes are the most common in spring and least common in winter, and mostly occur in the afternoon between 3 and 7 p.m. There are always exceptions, like the deadly Gainesville, Florida tornado of 1936 which occurred at 8.30 a.m. The area of central United States where most tornadoes occur is called Tornado Alley, loosely defined as west of the Appalachians and east of the Rockies. Hi, everyone. The holiday season is upon us, and I'll be glued to the telly for BritBox on many a night. I've already shared with you the fact that I keep up with Father Brown and Poirot at BritBox. I also check out their new stuff, like the new series Archie, which tells the story of Archie Leach, otherwise known to millions of filmgoers as Cary Grant. This story comes from his daughter Jennifer Grant and ex-wife Diane Cannon. It's a series. The performance of Jason Isaacs, who plays Cary Grant, is top-notch. I highly recommend it. You can only find it on my favorite TV, BritBox. Sign up to BritBox today to stream Archie and other fan favorites today from any device. I have a special limited-time offer for my U.S. and Canadian listeners. Get 50% off your first month when you sign up for a monthly plan, but only if you go to BritBox.com and use my promo code 1001STORIES at checkout. Don't wait. Get 50% off your first month. Just use promo code 
1001 Stories at BritBox.com. Try it. You'll like it. The American South, starting with the tornado leader, Texas, and its neighbor, Kansas, which has recorded the most EF4 and EF5s, followed by Oklahoma, Missouri, Alabama, Tennessee, Mississippi, Georgia, the Carolinas, Florida, and Virginia, all getting their share as well. Even Canada gets them, and EF5 struck Ely, Manitoba on June 22, 2007, and the Edmonton tornado, which occurred in July of 1987, claimed 27 lives. We've got a tornado there. We've got some rapid motion right here, too. We might have a wedge tornado there. Hey, Kyle! Come look at this! How it's just drawing up like that and kind of rolling? Yeah. Yeah. You see how it all was going this way? Now look how it's now all... It's all sucking and rolling like. Nah. Yeah, I'm okay. It's okay. It's all right. I'm going to the basement. You guys are blisses. Take Scaredy Dog with you. Yeah, come I'll on. Just... Take Petey with you. So we're looking at a tornado warning for Eastern Franklin, Northern Jefferson, Southern St. Louis County until 845. This storm definitely capable of producing, if not one, maybe multiple tornadoes. And unfortunately, they will be wrapped in rain and incredibly difficult to see. The spring is the deadliest time of year for tornadoes in the U.S., having much to do with cool polar air traveling southeastward from the northern Rockies when it overrides warm, moist air coming up from the Gulf of Mexico. The conflict between these two air masses pushes a wave of turbulent air in front, loaded with heavy rains, hail, and damaging winds, and tornado conditions develop along this squall line. And one more piece of tornado knowledge is needed before we join the April 27th outbreak itself, that of the warnings the National Weather Service issues to all the media where storms, fires, and flooding are predicted to take place. No matter where you are in the country, when you hear there is a tornado watch in effect, it means that the National Weather Service, acting most of the time using information from the Storm Prediction Center in Oklahoma, is saying that conditions are favorable for the development of severe thunderstorms and tornadoes close to that watch area, which they will define. These watches are usually valid for five to eight hours. If you get a PDS watch, it denotes a particularly dangerous situation. It is rare, and it's reserved for high and severe weather conditions, such as we had on April 25th and 26th at the start of the super outbreak of 2011. A warning means a tornado has been spotted and is moving through or into a warning area. When you hear warning, it means take cover. In 2013 and 2014, this warning was given a higher option, that of tornado emergency, issued when a tornado is about to strike a highly populated area, such as the EF-4 that hit Tuscaloosa in our upcoming story, or the EF-5 that tore through Oklahoma City in 2013. 
The following is advice that might save your life one day. The article is called Tornado Safety, written by Roger Edwards of the Storm Prediction Center in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is what he writes. There is no thing as guaranteed safety inside a tornado. Freak accidents happen, and the most violent tornadoes can level and blow away almost any house and its occupants. Extremely violent EF5 tornadoes are very rare, though. Most tornadoes are actually much weaker and can be survived using these safety ideas. At home, have a family tornado plan in place based on the kind of dwelling you live in and the safety tips provided here. Know where you can take shelter in a matter of seconds and practice a family tornado drill at least once a year. Have a predetermined place to meet after a disaster. Flying debris is the greatest danger in tornadoes, so store protective coverings such as mattresses, sleeping bags, thick blankets in or next to your shelter space, ready to use on a moment's notice. When a tornado watch is issued, think about the drill and check to make sure all your safety supplies are handy. Turn on local TV, radio, or NOAA weather radio and stay alert for warnings. Forget about the old notion of opening windows to equalize pressure. The tornado will blast open your windows for you. If you shop frequently at certain stores, learn where there are bathrooms, storage rooms, or other interior shelter areas away from windows and the shortest ways to get there. All administrators of schools, shopping centers, nursing homes, hospitals, sports arenas, stadiums, mobile home communities, and offices should have a tornado safety plan in place with easy-to-read signs posted to direct everyone to a safe, nearby shelter. Schools and office building managers should regularly run well-coordinated drills. If you're planning to build a house, especially east of the Rockies, consider an underground tornado shelter or an interior safe room. Weather forecasting science is not perfect, and some tornadoes do occur without a tornado warning. There is no substitute for staying alert to the sky. Besides an obviously visible tornado, here are some things to look and listen for. A strong, persistent rotation in the cloud base. Whirling dust or debris on the ground under a cloud base. Tornadoes sometimes have no funnel. Hail or heavy rain followed by either dead calm or a fast, intense wind shift. Many tornadoes are wrapped in heavy precipitation and can't be seen. Day or night, loud, continuous roar or rumble, which doesn't fade in a few seconds like thunder does. Small, bright blue-green to white flashes at ground level near a thunderstorm, as opposed to silvery lightning up in the clouds. These mean power lines are being snapped by very strong winds, maybe a tornado. At night, persistent lowering from the cloud base, illuminators silhouetted by lightning, especially if it is on the ground or there is a blue-green-white power flash underneath. In a house with a basement, avoid windows. Get in the basement and under some kind of sturdy protection, that being a heavy table or workbench, or cover yourself with a mattress or sleeping bag. Know where very heavy objects rest on the floor above, pianos, refrigerators, waterbeds, and do not go under those. They may fall down through a weakened floor and crush you. Head protection, such as a helmet, can boost survivability also. In a house with no basement, a dorm, or an apartment, 
Avoid windows. Go to the lowest floor. Small center room, like a bathroom or closet, under a stairwell, or in an interior hallway with no windows. Crouch as low as possible to the floor, facing down, and cover your head with your hands. A bathtub may offer a shell of partial protection. Even in an interior room, you should cover yourself with some sort of thick padding, mattress, blankets, etc., to protect against falling debris in case the roof and ceiling fail. In an office building, hospital, nursing home, or skyscraper, go directly to an enclosed windowless area in the center of the building, away from glass and on the lowest floor possible. Then crouch down and cover your head. Interior stairwells are usually good places to take shelter and, if not crowded, allow you to get to a lower level quickly. Stay off elevators. You could be trapped in them if the power goes out. In a mobile home, get out. Even if your home is tied down, it is not as safe as an underground shelter or permanent sturdy building. Go to one of those shelters or to a nearby permanent structure using your tornado evacuation plan. Most tornadoes can destroy even tied-down mobile homes, and it is best not to play the low odds that yours will make it. At school, follow the drill. Go to the interior hall or windowless room in an orderly way as you're told. Crouch low, head down, and protect the back of your head with your arms. Stay away from windows and large open rooms like gyms and auditoriums. In a car or truck, vehicles are extremely risky in a tornado. There is no safe option when caught in a tornado in a car, just slightly less dangerous options. If the tornado is visible, far away, and the traffic is light, you may be able to drive out of its path by moving at right angles to the tornado. Seek shelter in a sturdy building or underground if possible. If you're caught by extreme winds or flying debris, park the car as quickly and safely as possible out of the traffic lanes. Stay in the car with the seat belt on. Put your head down below the windows. Cover your head with your hands and a blanket, coat, or other cushion if possible. If you can safely get noticeably lower than the level of the roadway, leave your car and lie in that area, covering your head with your hands. Avoid seeking shelter under bridges, which can create deadly traffic hazards while offering little protection against flying debris. In the open outdoors, if you're caught in the open outdoors, if possible, seek shelter in a sturdy building. If not, lie flat and face down on low ground, protecting the back of your head with your arms. Get as far away from trees and cars as you can. They may be blown onto you in a tornado. In a shopping mall or large store, don't panic. Watch for others. Move as quickly as possible to an interior bathroom, storage room, or other small enclosed area away from windows. In a church or a theater, don't panic. If possible, move quickly but orderly to an interior bathroom or hallway away from windows. Crouch face down and protect your head with your arms. If there's no time to do that, get under the seats or pews protecting your head with your arms or hands. After the tornado, keep your family together and wait for emergency personnel to arrive. Carefully render aid to those who are injured. Stay away from power lines and puddles with wires in them. They may still be carrying electricity. Watch your step to avoid broken glass, nails, and other sharp objects. Stay out of any heavily damaged houses or buildings because they can collapse at any time. 
Do not use matches or lighters in case of leaking natural gas pipes or fuel tanks nearby. Remain calm and alert and listen for information and instructions from emergency crews or local officials. One of the biggest questions I had before starting this research was in regards to vehicle deaths in tornadoes. Like you, I see videos from drivers, some professional storm chasers, others amateur, which depict them driving through terrible storms, rain and hail, not knowing if they're driving into a tornado's path or away from it, unless they know their exact location and they can find a localized weather report telling them where the tornado or tornadoes are so they can avoid them. The storm chasers take the risk regardless. Multi-vortex! Multi-vortex! Look at that. Oh my oh god, my look god. at that damage. Look at that, right underneath the overpass. Look at that, look over there. I'm zoomed in too close. Shit, I didn't get any of it. Look at that. Oh, I know. That's from the... White poles down in the road. Come on! Get in, get in! Come on! This is a good article from Reuters, written in 2008, titled, Cars are Deadly Shelters During Tornadoes. And then the subheadline: nearly half those killed by tornado over the weekend were in cars. And the article goes on to read, Weather experts say motorists should not stay in cars during a tornado. Instead, they should find a sturdy shelter or lie flat in a ditch or other low spot, covering their heads with arms, coats, or blankets if the tornado is moving in their direction. Dateline Seneca, Missouri. Nearly half of the 21 people killed by a tornado that smashed parts of Oklahoma and Missouri over the weekend died in cars troubling experts who say vehicles are among the worst places to be during a twister. It's like taking a handful of matchbox cars and rolling them across the kitchen floor, said Sergeant Dan Bracker of the Missouri State Highway Patrol, surveying the damage in Newton County near the Oklahoma line, the hardest hit area. Among those killed were a woman who took shelter in a broken down car outside someone's home. Three people who were rushing to reach a relative's house in their car and four family members a man, his wife, his 13-year-old son, and his mother-in-law, who were in a van on the way to a friend's wedding when the twister, packing winds of 170 miles per hour, struck the Seneca area on Saturday night. They were on the road when the warnings came. The twister that struck Newton County was covering ground at 50 miles per hour to 60 miles per hour. One car was found a half a mile from the tornado track. Authorities were still piecing together how some of the other victims died over the weekend, but the Missouri Highway Patrol said at least two other car passengers were killed when their vehicle was thrown from the same road where the previously mentioned family was killed. In Pitcher, Oklahoma, 32 miles away from Seneca, a man and a woman died when their car was blown into a lagoon. The body of another man from the car wound up in a tree nearby. Fire Chief Jeff Reeves said they were not trying to outrun the twister. 
Val Castor, one of the many spotters who bring dramatic video of tornadoes to local TV stations in Oklahoma, said the number of people on the road during tornadoes seems to have increased every year since 1996 when the movie Twister, which depicts meteorologists chasing tornadoes, came out. He said driving during severe weather is extremely dangerous for the inexperienced because they don't know where a tornado will form or what direction it will go. Heavy traffic or a broken down vehicle can stop people from getting away from the funnel cloud. The best advice is to make sure the tornado is completely gone before you venture out, he said. After the tragedy, Missouri Governor Matt Blunt warned people to stay out of vehicles when a tornado was nearby. To put it bluntly, the best advice is, if you're in a car, to avoid tornadoes at all costs. You're taking your life in your hands. And now we take you to the skies high above the southern plain states on April 25th, 2011. In the atmosphere above the southern plain states of the United States, what was described as a vigorous upper-level trough of low-pressure had formed, ahead of which was spinning a wave cyclone of low pressure over northeastern Oklahoma and western Missouri and moving northeast. Within 24 hours, the growing system threatened severe thunderstorms and likely tornadoes during the afternoon and evening of the 26th, especially in the areas of East Texas, Louisiana, and Arkansas. Forecasters who were nervously watching this one predicted the temperament of the storm on the 26th to consist of mostly discrete supercells during the afternoon and early evening, shifting over to a mesoscale convective complex, meaning long-lived wind, lightning, hail, and very likely tornadoes during the evening hours. So far, this type of forecast for this area had been fairly common. Dangerous, yes, but common. But on the 27th, as the storm system moved eastward toward Ohio, Tennessee, and Mississippi, a very powerful 80 to 100 knot mid-level jet stream moved into the valleys of those three states behind the trough, creating wind shear. And all of a sudden, alarms were sounding in every weather monitoring station in seven states, soon to be 16 states. This was the storm from hell in a tornado weather year from hell. The tragic toll in human lives was 348 people killed, mostly in Alabama and Mississippi, but also in Arkansas, Georgia, Tennessee, and Virginia. For four long days and nights, it was a brutal fight between nature's indiscriminate fury and man's will to survive. These are the stories. During the early morning hours of April 27th, a cold front with several embedded low-pressure areas extended from East Texas northeastward into the Ohio River Valley. An upper-level disturbance that had moved across the frontal boundary the previous evening sparked an area of thunderstorms that had morphed into a squall line. This line of severe thunderstorms would be responsible for tornado-packing straight-line winds and numerous embedded tornadoes moved through Louisiana and Mississippi then proceeded to affect north and central Alabama and parts of middle and east Tennessee. If you're mentally tracking this path of hundreds of storms within one large moving front, draw a curved line from east Texas moving slowly over a period of five days north and eastward across the southern U.S. and then up 
toward Pennsylvania in the last days. The line strengthened as it moved through Alabama, due in part to a high amount of low-level moisture from the Gulf of Mexico and increasing wind shear. Many of the tornadoes embedded in this initial squall line were weak, though several were strong and caused considerable damage. An EF-3 caused major damage to homes in Coline, Alabama. An EF-2 and an EF-3 caused major damage and a fatality near Eupora, Mississippi. And an EF-3 caused heavy damage in downtown Cordova, Alabama, which was struck by a deadly EF-4 tornado later that afternoon. I have placed a link to a video showing the size of this monster tornado in our show notes. It took four years to rebuild what was left of Cordova, which was turned into rubble by those two tornadoes in one day. The EF-3 that hit at 5 a.m., staying on the ground for 19 miles and causing 20 injuries while destroying roofs and causing significant damage to downtown buildings. And as if that wasn't enough punishment, the deadly EF-4 that hit about 4 p.m. later that day, killing four people in Cordova, basically wiping the town off the map and killing nine people elsewhere along its 127-mile path of devastation toward the Mississippi line, headed toward Guntersville. Much of the redevelopment has come with the help of federal disaster recovery dollars, with the city bringing in an estimated $6.5 million in government aid to help demolish and rebuild. Still on the morning of April 27th, one embedded cell that began in Coleman County, Alabama, produced a long-tracked EF-2 that struck the town of Hansville, killing one person. In an April 24, 2016 article by Tiffany Owens titled, Five Years Later, Hansville Tornado Brings Back Emotions, we read, While visiting with a Coleman attorney recently, Kenneth Nail thumbed through the Coleman Times Day of Destruction photo book of the April 27, 2011 tornadoes. It was the first time he had seen it, and the pictures took him back to that horrible but character-defining time five years ago. It was the best and worst time to be mayor, Nail said. I didn't realize how emotionally I was still tied to that tornado. It had such a psychological impact on anyone that went through it. It brought people together. That's what I remember from it. So much togetherness. Neighbors helping neighbors. Coleman County's tornado sirens began ringing out in Hansville shortly before 6 a.m. as what would become an EF-2 tornado touched down east of Cold Springs and began hurling its way northeast, picking up wind speed and strength. Nail and his family took shelter in their home. I had never been in a tornado before, he said. I was afraid it was going to blow the house off its foundation. Outside, 120-mile-per-hour winds ripped the roof off Lane Horton Gymnasium at Hansville High School. The force bent eight metal power poles over their base at Wallace State Community College and tore metal roofing from several campus buildings. It blew the windows out of a mid-rise under construction, but only caused minor damage to a nearby high-rise building. South of town, several large pine, poplar, and other hardwood trees were snapped and collapsed onto the densely packed houses below. Downtown buildings were also damaged. As the storm moved through, Nail's police radio scrambled to life. A tree had collapsed on Officer Troy Harvell's patrol car at US-31 South, trapping him inside. As Nail ventured outside, he saw toppled trees all over his neighborhood and soon realized he, too, was trapped. 
Miraculously, no one was killed from downed trees in the residential city core. One family escaped death after a huge tree fell through the center of their home on Tennessee Avenue. Nail recalls, That man's daughters would have been killed if they had been where that tree came through. In pouring rain, Mayor Nail managed to get back to City Hall where he began organizing police, public works, and firefighters to help residents who were trapped or injured and to start clearing streets. Our goal was to get at least one lane of traffic open to every street for every resident, and at 7 p.m. that evening, we accomplished that. Crews returned the next day, focused on getting two lanes open and clearing more debris. Our employees worked 12 hours a day for 26 straight days, Nail said. After that, we went back to normal schedules because I felt they'd already pushed themselves as hard as they could go. At that point, it was all we could physically and mentally take. In all, the city removed 250,000 cubic yards of fallen trees and other vegetative debris. And it did it cheaply at $8.50 per yard, compared to $50 per yard by the Army Corps of Engineers, Nail said. We didn't sit down in the corner and wait for FEMA to come help us. We did it ourselves, he said. But you know, through all of it, I didn't hear one complaint. People knew we were doing our best to clean up. People were going down the street helping other people, handing out water, or bringing them sweet tea. That's why I say it was the best and worst time to be mayor. I was so proud to see how we all responded. Hansville would be a prelude to what would come later in the afternoon. The powerful storm system would ravage the Tennessee Valley in three separate waves. The first occurred during the early morning hours, roughly between 2 and 8 a.m., the second during late morning to early afternoon, and finally the third and most devastating wave during the afternoon and evening hours of the 27th. When the final wave moved through, it would spawn the most violent and destructive tornadoes in decades. When the day was over, two Coleman County residents lost their lives. That particular cell would go on to produce over 10 tornadoes, mostly EF1s, to the northeast in Marshall County and another EF1 in Dade County, Georgia. The initial storms caused widespread power and telephone line outages across Alabama and Tennessee. This line of storms also knocked out some NOAA weather radio transmitter sites and many people had no warning of approaching tornadoes later in the day. The most intense supercells of the outbreak developed shortly after noon in Mississippi and began to track eastward. During the early afternoon, as wind shear and low-level moisture continued to increase dramatically, a tornado emergency was declared for Neshoba County, Mississippi, as a large tornado was reported on the ground by storm spotters and a camera atop a TV tower from ABC affiliate WTOK-TV, Channel 11 be in Meridian, the Mississippi. Area, being toward the Leachville area, and I believe this is the Mississippi line, so it's it too about ready to move into uh, the Mississippi region. So dangerous storms. Take a uh, look here. Uh, I'll uh, go back over and slide over to the Philadelphia, Mississippi area. We have a couple of storms there. The one that had hit Philadelphia, Mississippi has gone up to the Shukalak area, has weakened a little bit still off to the east now of Union, Mississippi, southeast of Philadelphia. Very strong possible tornado heading toward the area south of the cab in Mississippi. This powerful EF5 tornado caused incredible damage northeast of Philadelphia, Mississippi, where pavement was torn from roads, vehicles were thrown, 
and the ground was scoured out to a depth of two feet by the tornado. Three people died in this tornado when a mobile home was picked up and thrown 300 yards into a wooded area, being obliterated in the process. Another very long-tracked EF-4 tornado passed near the town of Enterprise, Mississippi, killing seven people before crossing into Alabama and eventually dissipating. In response to the high risk issued by the SPC and the already unstable atmosphere expected to become even more unstable through the afternoon hours, a PDS tornado watch, potentially devastating storm tornado watch, was issued at 1.45 p.m. for much of Alabama and portions of Mississippi, Tennessee, and Georgia. A widespread complex of supercell storms overspread the states of Mississippi and Alabama, and violent tornadoes began rapidly touching down as the evening progressed. So you could see in, this would be that big cone-shaped tornado uh, on the ground there uh, in the area near Coleman, Alabama. So dangerous storm is in progress in that area. Then we have some additional dangerous storms in progress as well. Uh, we've had a report of a tornado near Rienzi. That's the farthest north storm in Mississippi. Uh, there's additional storms looking at very, very intense, uh, basically all across Mississippi now. One of them near Houston, Mississippi. That's going to head toward the Aberdeen area. Well-defined hook echo on that storm uh, with the possibility of a tornadoes there. Uh, you can see the tornado vortex signature very strongly now just to the south and east of the Houston area. So dangerous storms there. New tornado has been reported in Arkansas. Arkansas, out along the cold front, we've had a report of a tornado near Bay by law enforcement. That storm swirling its way and with a gust front pushing east. So tornado now would be very close to the Lake City area, uh, heading toward the Leachville area. And I believe this is the Mississippi line. So it's it too about ready to move into uh, the Mississippi region. So dangerous storms. Take a uh, look here. Uh, I'll uh, go back over and slide over to the Philadelphia, Mississippi area. We have a couple of storms there. The one that had... Four tornadoes were officially rated as EF5 on the enhanced Vegeta scale that day. One of these EF5s obliterated the town of Smithville, Mississippi, where many well-built brick homes were reduced to bare slabs. Numerous hardwood trees were completely debarked and an SUV was hurled half a mile into the top of the town's water tower, leaving a visible dent. Another long-tracked EF-5 wedge tornado passed through rural portions of Alabama and Tennessee, becoming the deadliest tornado of the outbreak as it completely devastated the towns of Hackleburg, Bill Campbell, Mount Hope, Tanner, and Harvest, killing 72 people. This marks only the third day in history, the others being April 3rd, 1974 and March of 1990, that there were more than two F5 EF5 tornadoes. The stories, hundreds of them, are both heartbreaking and inspiring. One story from AP, Birmingham, Alabama, five years later. Survivors told an AP writer that no tornado warning or emergency plan could have prepared them. Alabamans who lived in the tornado's path are trying to move on now, but they face constant reminders of what their towns used to be. New construction is juxtaposed now with grassy, windswept expanses. Jagged tree trunks have replaced thick woods. Cracked driveways cut through the grass and lead to bare foundations or empty lots where homes used to be. Here are some of those survivors' stories.
A tornado left physical scars in the town of Hackleburg, and it's still taking a psychological and social toll five years later. In Birmingham, Alabama, survivors told an AP writer that no tornado warning or emergency plan could have prepared them. Alabamans who lived in the tornado's path are trying to move on, but they face constant reminders of what their towns used to be. New construction is juxtaposed with grassy, wind-swept expanses. Jagged tree trunks have replaced thick woods. Cracked driveways cut through the grass and lead to bare foundations or empty lots where homes used to be. Here are some of those survivors' stories. A tornado left physical scars in the town of Hackleburg and is still taking a psychological and social toll today. The sky even gets dark and my niece goes to pieces, Deborah Purser said. I mean, she starts shaking. Hackleburg wouldn't have rebounded without the volunteers who poured in from across the country, said Purser's 19-year-old son, Clay. The school and grocery store reopened, but the town of roughly 1,500 no longer feels like home, he said. It feels like we live somewhere else, like we've moved towns or something, Purser said. Vince Hughes is still haunted by that same tornado. The nightmares are less frequent now, but Hughes said he can't rid himself of the memory of a crying woman who lost her daughter and was left to care for her young granddaughter. The woman is a longtime customer of Hughes, a 53-year-old pharmacist. That image sticks out in my mind above most all of them, he said, and you saw it repeated over and over and over. Hughes and his colleagues set up a temporary pharmacy in a bank lobby using salvaged medication. People needed somewhere to go, and they needed faces to see that they knew, he said. Most of my patients aren't just people that fill prescriptions. They're friends. That tornado had a peak wind speed of 210 miles per hour and left a 25-mile-long trail of damage. A separate twister hit Tuscaloosa, where Hughes's daughter was a student at the University of Alabama. Fortunately, she wasn't injured. John Nero, 58, said he lost his home of 20 years when the tornado hit his Tuscaloosa neighborhood. His wife, Pam, suffered a heart attack days later. The couple's new home overlooks their former neighborhood. Nero sees the area whenever he opens his front door. It used to be an apartment complex right there, he said, nodding toward a vast, overgrown area. It was flattened, but I could hear people hollering. A brick from the nearby College Hill Baptist Church slammed into his upper leg as debris crashed through his home. He still has the brick as a reminder. God kept him here to get some things straight, he said. That brick didn't just hit me for no reason. Michael and Flora Thomas of Tuscaloosa credit the power of prayer for keeping their home intact. It was spared from severe damage while nearly every other house on the block in the Alberta City neighborhood was destroyed. Michael Thomas said he saw the roof of a church hurtling toward him when he looked out the window, and he hid in the bathroom. The windows were blown out and the porch destroyed, but the church's roof narrowly missed landing on the couple's home. Everything was just torn apart, demolished. They found body parts everywhere, he said. You look around and see things and know things will never be the same. Sonia Moore and her family were setting into their new Tuscaloosa home and hadn't even finished unpacking when the tornado came barreling toward them. She and her children hid in a closet. We almost lost one of them. The door flung open, and he was so tiny and frail that the wind kind of sucked him up, and we actually had to pull him back down, Moore said. Her family emerged uninjured, 
but realized nearly everything around them had been destroyed. Sleepless nights followed. They lived in a temporary shelter, a hotel, a FEMA trailer, and with a relative before finally moving into a Habitat for Humanity home in January of the next year. We slept on the floor with pillows, blankets, whatever we could gather, she said. It was just that exciting to be able to turn the key and go into your own home and know that now we're finally piecing our lives back together. And isn't it true that there are so many things we have now that we don't appreciate until we lose them? Simple things like having a roof over your head and a place indoors to sleep. The tornadoes continued to track through central Alabama that afternoon and into the early evening hours. A dangerous and destructive tornado struck the city of Coleman, Alabama at around 3 o'clock p.m. This large, multiple vortex tornado was captured on several tower cameras from television stations such as Fox affiliate WBRC and ABC affiliate WBMA out of Birmingham. Uh, Dyer's Crossroads, four minutes. Providence, six minutes. Pleasant Grove within six minutes. Rotating storm. This is a supercell thunderstorm uh, that we are looking at right now, uh, producing a tornado moving through, moving into downtown Coleman as we speak. Uh, a very, very strong storm and uh, a very dangerous storm. So hopefully everybody uh, that is in Coleman County, west of Interstate 65, and uh, including downtown Coleman and northward, especially, you are in your safe place right now. That storm is still holding together, getting good indication. The tornado caused extensive destruction in downtown Coleman, a city of about 20,000 people. The tornado was ultimately rated an EF4. The final damage count was 867 residences and 94 businesses in Coleman alone and six people were killed throughout the path. The town of Cordova, Alabama, which had already been damaged by an EF-3 from the initial round of storms, was struck by an EF-4 tornado that killed 13 people. Two violent EF-4 tornadoes also ripped through Jackson County, Alabama, one of which caused a fatality near Bridgeport, while the other passed near Pisgah and into Georgia, where it caused major damage in Trenton, Georgia, killing 14 people along its path. And there were more stories. One man waited in his home wearing safety glasses, hard hat, and bulletproof vest. Another, a weatherman, was reporting as he watched the path of a killer twister turning straight toward his home. Another said his grandson and his grandson's wife ran to his sturdy brick home for shelter only to be picked up and swept far into the fields of Franklin County while he watched, unable to help. One woman lost four neighbors in the little town of Phil Campbell, including a 10-year-old boy. Another survivor lost his childhood home, but was able to dig out the survivors in a church basement. Another said the storm spared his home in Limestone County, but sucked the living room sofa out the back door. There were the strange occurrences as well. One man reported blue jeans from what was until that day a Wrangler Jeans Distribution Center in Hackleburg falling out of the sky at his home in Cortland. What the National Weather Service calls the Hackleburg EF5 tornado traveled 132 miles, winds surpassing 210 miles per hour, a nonstop scar in the earth running 90 miles from Hackleburg to Huntsville. This one tornado alone is thought to have claimed 70 lives, by far the deadliest single twister in Alabama state history. A report coming out of North Alabama. 
The deadliest tornado to sweep across this country in the last 56 years began in Marion County, a few miles from the Mississippi line, where the highway signs now bend toward the ground along U.S. 78 west of Hamilton. Trees blew over. Hamilton lost power. Yet for 10 miles, the massive storm largely churned above the wilderness, growing in ferocity, sucking moist afternoon air high into rotating clouds. Soon the system would spawn a tornado measuring more than a mile across. The National Weather Service also reports evidence of satellite vortices, essentially twisters within twisters. Mesocyclone winds circled along the outside edges, gusting toward the center. One survivor said he grabbed his wallet and car keys. It got dead quiet, he said. Then we started hearing that rumble, that deafening roar approaching. In Hackleburg, at the beginning of a 90-mile, one-mile-wide trail of nonstop scarring, blank slabs provide the only evidence of missing homes. Reporters noted a Chevy pickup sitting unfolded as though made of paper, a thin tree piercing the trunk lengthwise. Trees were shorn of limbs and bark totally stripped. Rainwater swelled in deep pits where root balls had been ripped from the ground. Everywhere, one report describes, were the contents of exploded homes. The first thing that was heard when the storm had passed was the cries for help. In Hackleburg, the calls emanated from a crater where moments ago stood Emmanuel Baptist Church. One survivor said he and his brother and his father and a truck driver, a man who appeared from nowhere and seemed to be bleeding from everywhere, began to tug at the toppled bricks. They uncovered the pastor and his wife and several children in the church basement. Her legs were pinned under cinder blocks. You could see the muscles in her hand. His back was broken, the witness said. The witness also said some children had been saved by a cocked metal shelf. The trucker's semi had spun in the air nearby, its cargo breaking free. Unspooled steel covered the hill. A second tornado was coming, which Greg Carbon, meteorologist at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Storm Prediction Center, estimated was one big reason that there was so much loss of life in Alabama. Some towns were actually hit twice in one day by separate tornadoes. In Alabama, the storms killed 236 people. Across the South, 340 died as at least 300 separate tornadoes touched down. As stated previously, but it bears repeating, it was the deadliest 24-hour period for tornadoes since 1925. But even on April 27th, the Hackleburg tornado stood apart. It's thought to have killed 70 people in Alabama. For nearly 90 miles, it stayed on the ground. This one twister became the deadliest single tornado since 1955 when a tornado struck Udall, Kansas and claimed 80 lives. An AP report reads, All along the tornado's path, it was people with nothing left, with staples over fresh wounds, who were just grateful for being alive. Six days after the tornado passed, the main road through Hackleburg had been cut clear. There were no hordes of volunteers, no signs of the Red Cross, no operation headquarters. A couple of military Humvees passed along the main drag. Everywhere, convoys of white utility trucks rolled along. The men in hard hats set new poles on streets where homes no longer stood, where there was nothing left to connect. Where that van is up in that tree, that is, that was, our house below it, one survivor said. She hadn't been home when it hit. 
Her husband and great-grandson had been sucked out the living room window. Both were relatively okay. Her husband showed a nasty wide gash running along his forearm. He lost his glasses and his lower teeth. She lost her poodle. From Hackleburg, the storm followed the high ground west of Alabama 17, crossing the road before descending upon the little town of Phil Campbell. A town of 1,055 people, Phil Campbell sits just over the line into Franklin County. Here, the storm bypassed the community college, left much of the school intact, and spared the old downtown and the Piggly Wiggly, which for those of you who are not familiar with the American South, is a chain food store so well known that its name, Piggly Wiggly, has become synonymous with food stores in at least 10 southern states. Along the edge of the storm corridor, aluminum siding and car hoods wrapped like tinfoil around the treetops. The path here seems to be more than half a mile wide. Through the center, homes were reduced to rubble and blown into the hills. Chairs without legs, trunks without limbs, brick walls thrown 15 yards, cars stamped into the earth. From a view atop a hill, no surviving structures could be seen where a town once existed. An EF-5 signature is as distinct as a fairway, a singular torrent of subtraction. The trees aren't pushed over. They aren't the same trees at all. The leaves are gone, the limbs are gone, often the bark is gone. The houses don't look damaged with missing shingles or cracked windows. That's on the edge of an EF-5 path, or maybe just powerful wind gusts. In the wake of an EF-5, homes appear firebombed, obliterated, violently shoved aside. Some sucked brick by brick into fields, others imploded in place. Often the second floor is gone. Once in a while, the first floor is gone and the second story left intact upon the foundation. Many houses are simply missing. That's the path of the EF-5. At around 5.10 p.m., a very large and exceptionally destructive tornado struck Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and about 40 minutes later, the same tornado struck the northern suburbs of nearby Birmingham. A tornado emergency was issued for both cities, along with many other cities that day. Many local television stations, including WBRC and WBMA, reported live from Tuscaloosa, as well as CBS affiliate WIAT which broadcast live footage of the long track tornado in both Tuscaloosa and Birmingham. A debris ball was observed by the Birmingham NEXRAD, indicating that the tornado was causing extreme damage. This tornado killed 64 people and caused extensive devastation in densely populated Here is Skyline areas. Boulevard, right there. Here is the tornado. It's now about to move across the airport. Uh, it's just moved through Foster's. Uh, let's just uh, let's go ahead and go through some of the communities. I'm going to get as detailed as possible. Eventually, it will be crossing over uh, U.S. Highway. Um, uh, actually, it's moving up 11 right now. Okay. Go in closer for me. All right, we're going to get okay. we're going to get right down on this. Okay, let's go back to. Oh my God, look at that! Wow, um, that's oh in the my city. God. Take cover Take immediately. Take cover immediately. This yes. is very Ladies and gentlemen, this is a large tornado on the ground. Please take cover immediately. This is a very violent tornado. We lost the shot again. It's going to come back. We, we will get it back. This is, um, this is a very, very dangerous situation. Take, take our warning right now. It is now churning through southern, the city of Tuscaloosa. My God, look at that. That thing is huge. We got power flashes going on with it as well. This is, folks, this is a, a violent tornado. This is really violent. Okay, look at that. There is the tornado. Uh, it's now moving right up I-20. 
this is uh, Skyland Boulevard. That's, you just don't, you see something like this out on the Great Plains, the Central Plains. This so, is live. This yeah. Is so, all right, hang on with that shot, Lee. My God, look at that thing, it's huge. That is a uh, big tornado that is headed towards the city of Tuscaloosa. You got warning if you are in the city northward, the university, hang in there, we're gonna get through this. I promise you, we're gonna get you through it. It's just gotta pass. We have large debris now flying up off the backside of this tornado. If you're in a safe place, you're gonna be okay. We're gonna get you through this, keep us turned up. This is a massive, violent tornado. My gosh, look at the debris. The debris field is absolutely huge and it continues to strengthen. This tornado is a wedge tornado, multiple vortices on this thing. This is as violent as it gets when it comes to a tornado. I've never in, in my entire career or lifetime thought I would be standing in front of a live picture of a tornado in Alabama, but that is a violent tornado that just passed through the city of Tuscaloosa. Our newsroom, we gotta get folks right now, we gotta get information what's going on there. I know it's probably chaotic and um, Let's, all right, we're gonna get in touch with the EMA. We've gotta find out what's going on. Uh, yeah, I, I can tell you, that right there is a massive wedge tornado. What can you tell us? Uh, guys, it was absolutely terrifying. Um, just a huge tornado tearing through the city. Um, kind of hard to tell exactly what kind of path it took. It looks like it hovered over uh, Brighton Stadium for a while there. You can clearly see that there was tons of debris uh, just floating up into the air, and, and it's, it's kind of vanishing from our viewpoint now. I, I don't know if the tornado is still on the ground, but definitely a scary couple of minutes there. All right, here we go. We got this one here. This is the one we just had, that live tornado from Tuscaloosa. It's still on the ground, moving along I-20 to the northeast there. We also have this one up in Marion County. And this storm just to the south and east of Walker County, and now this one in Coleman County. So we have several storms that have tornadoes on the ground, and uh, th these tornado warnings are all over the place. And for those of you in Hueytown, I'm gonna tell you like we did uh, Tuscaloosa and everybody else. We're gonna get you through this. We're gonna get you in a safe spot. We're gonna get you on the lowest floor away from doors and windows. We're gonna put helmets on. We're gonna put mattresses on our head. We're gonna get in the bathtub if we have to. I don't care how silly it may look. Let's do it. Back do to it Adolf now. For a bit. Dave, oh, Dave, you, you there? Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, let's go. Listen, I, it is a large tornado. I'm looking straight at it right now. You can see it. Yep. I, I am. Uh, the winds ahead of me, and I'm recording. That's all I can do. They're uh, they're blowing. They got to be going 80, 100 miles an hour. This thing is passing just north of Fairfield, and uh, just unbelievable stuff falling from the sky right now. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Is it gonna? Is it? You your trajectory has it going right up I-20. Mark. Uh, Man, I don't know what to tell you other than that I'm pretty much in it. Mark, uh, University Mall clipped by this tornado from Emergency Management in Jefferson County. Spotters report EF4, EF5 damage to the yeah. area. I, I knew this was going to be a, a violent EF5, and that's what it's turning out to be, and it looks like it is ramping up. I can't really describe to you what the damage is like here uh, where I'm at, and uh, there, there's really nothing, not a whole lot left. The trees, every tree is pretty much broken off or gone. There are probably 50, 60 people who are running around here in the area looking for people, but there are so many power lines down. 
Um, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to stop here. I've got to get out and try to help some of these okay. people. I understand. Uh, uh, I mean, be careful of the lines. Uh, that's that's one thing that uh, I know that I've always I've always tried to get across to everybody, and you know this, but be careful of those lines. But yeah, help those folks. Yeah, David, uh, what if do we you could got talk to us? David, David, what do we got with you? Um, let me. Uh, first of all, uh, I don't know if this is as bad as it gets, so uh, it's all I know about. But as soon as I came out of where I was when I was talking to you guys earlier, I came to Hibernian. Avenue, I believe it is, mm -hmm. right here in front of the Hibernian Library, and uh, it's this is definitely F5 damage. Uh, there are cars that are completely strewn all over the place. There are at least, in my eyesight, 30, 40 houses, homes that are completely destroyed. There are several. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I saw. There are three people on the ground here who are right now they've got emergency management people who are taking care of them so uh, i can only imagine that it's you know even worse the further away you go but right here at hibernian which uh just east pratt it's it's devastating i mean it's uh, it's completely and absolutely devastating here we go we got it full screen all right this is uh, al's video this is Okay, this is in Summerton, where that tornado went through. A, uh, a couple of fatalities, that is what Al is saying right now. It's not confirmed. Okay. And this is in Summerton? Yes, that's uh, up wow. there um, right where um, the storm passed through. This is live. I don't know how to explain this, but oh, wow. this, is, um, this was from somebody's home. And uh, that landed in our parking lot. So... Um, we had debris from a very large tornado that uh, came through. Please take this very seriously. Please take it very seriously. Um, that, that tornado is still right now uh, moving through um, St. Clair County and it is a massive wedge tornado. Let's go to Cynthia Gould. She's live, she's in Pratt City right now on the phone. Cynthia, I, I, I've seen pictures that absolutely it is absolutely shocking out here, Mark. There are hundreds of people literally walking up and down these streets with no place to go. The apartment complexes are shattered. A Southampton complex, Smithfield Estate. We have several injuries out here. I'm sure you can probably hear the ambulance in the background. Mayor William Bell is here right now. They're holding an impromptu prayer. Um, hoping that they can find any survivors out here. We've seen dozens of people in makeshift triages being treated. All sorts of injuries we've seen here. I'm sorry, this is just a little shocking. Um, I've never seen anything like this. Guys, watching this storm was absolutely terrifying. We were perched at a safe distance where we could view it from above uh, Skyland Boulevard in 82, and we saw it just hungrily attacking downtown Tuscaloosa. Now, when we actually got closer to where the damage happened, that was when it really got shocking. Uh, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say it looked as though it was the apocalypse. We were seeing just hundreds of people walking the streets, walking down a completely unrecognizable 15th Street. Uh, the buildings, the restaurants, the, the homes that were on 15th Street, no longer recognizable. People just in shock, searching for family members, searching for pets, trying to call loved ones. Uh, really, really something devastating to see out there.
Tonight, devastation and despair are sweeping Pratt City. Many here saying they have never seen anything like this. Thank God. We, he said he spared our life. Thank him for getting us out of the apartment. This is whole neighborhood. It's just erupted. Mayor William Bell and a host of city crews surveyed the area. Police going door to door. And the tornado struck several of the same small communities as the April 56 F4, the April 77 EF5, and the April 98 EF5 tornadoes that hit portions of the Birmingham area. The supercell responsible for the Tuscaloosa-Birmingham EF4 tornado originated in Newton County, Mississippi. The supercell also produced an EF4 tornado later that evening that killed 22 people as it struck areas in and around Ohatchee, Alabama, before eventually crossing into Georgia and causing additional damage near Cave Spring before finally dissipating. Further to the south, a mile-wide EF3 killed seven people in mostly rural areas and caused major damage in the small town of Eoling. The final EF5 tornado of April 27th caused remarkable damage in and around the town of Rainsville, Alabama, killing 25 people before crossing into Georgia and disappearing. One family in Tuscaloosa remembers it this way. As the sky grew darker and the winds reached furious levels, my family and I huddled in our small laundry room, watching on my laptop a local television station broadcast images of the tornado bearing down on us. By way of a camera on top of the county courthouse, we saw the massive twister cut a path of destruction through the middle of Tuscaloosa. As I held our dog and my wife grabbed our 16-month-old son, we could tell that the tornado was bearing down on us. Then the power went off and the internet feed was gone. We could only hold on, listen, and pray. Our home and our lives were spared, but many in Tuscaloosa were not so lucky. Neighbors slowly filed outside their homes and saw downed tree limbs and debris scattered in their yards. From our vantage point, we could not immediately see the havoc that the twister had wreaked, but we quickly learned what had happened. The F5 tornado cut a long swath through the heart of Tuscaloosa County, at least a half a mile wide, on Wednesday afternoon, completely leveling buildings and tossing trees and power poles like toothpicks. As of 7 p.m. Thursday, Officials had confirmed at least 36 deaths in Tuscaloosa and more than 600 injuries. A friend of ours lived in an apartment complex that was hit very hard. She rode out the storm inside her clothes dryer. Forecasters had predicted a strong band of storms, giving the area a 90% chance of tornadic activity. This specific tornado had crept up on Tuscaloosa from the southwest fortunately giving area residents plenty of time to seek shelter. Nevertheless, a police substation, a fire station, and the local emergency management agency were among the facilities demolished by the storm, making their response very difficult. Most of the city was without power, and Tuscaloosa Mayor Walt Maddox urged citizens to conserve water in anticipation of shortages. This is going to be a very long process, Maddox said. There will be areas of the city that will be hurting for a very long time. The destruction included off-campus student housing in the city, and the University of Alabama canceled final exams and pushed back graduation ceremonies from May to August. Meanwhile, two elementary schools were completely destroyed. A third, Holt Elementary School, suffered some damage, 
but was still structurally sound, and because it was located near an area that suffered massive damage, it was used as a shelter and command post for the Tuscaloosa County Sheriff's Office. Emergency responders continued to sift through the rubble Thursday night in search of the living and the dead. One survivor had huddled in her bathroom with two of her children to ride out the storm. You could hear the windows breaking, she said. You could see the doors come off the hinges. I don't want to go through anything like that again. Her home was destroyed around her, but she got out of the rubble safely and quickly went to work helping others out of their demolished homes. The sound of screams constantly filled the air. Along 15th Street in the heart of Tuscaloosa, gawkers wandered up and down the sidewalks examining the destruction, taking pictures, and trying to remember what former businesses were located in now unrecognizable piles of debris. People need to take it seriously, said a local nurse as she took a break from assisting those in need. If you're not going to help, go home. And there stands a huge lesson with an entire city or town having been reduced to rubble around you, and hundreds of people homeless and hurting, and many still missing relatives and friends. How can you leisurely walk the streets taking pictures or hunting for souvenirs when there are so many ways you could be helping? The DCH Regional Medical Center was jammed after the tornado passed by. Although the facility's power was knocked out, the hospital continued to run on emergency generators. People were coming in with their windows blown out, mirrors hanging off, just getting to the emergency room any way they could, one survivor recalled. Outside of Tuscaloosa and Birmingham, tornadoes continued to touch down further to the northeast as the sun set on the 27th, particularly in Georgia. This included a long-tracked EF4 that caused major damage in Ringgold, Georgia, Appison, Tennessee, and Cleveland, Tennessee, killing 20 people along its path. After dark, violent tornadoes continued to touch down and a nighttime EF4 destroyed many lakeside homes at Lake Martin in eastern Alabama, killing seven people. Additional strong nighttime tornadoes occurred in Georgia, including an EF3 that killed two people in Barnesville and another EF3 that destroyed multiple homes and killed one person at Lake Burton. Powerful tornadoes touched down across Tennessee as well that evening. A violent EF4 struck the community of New Harmony, Tennessee, where homes were leveled, vehicles were tossed, and four people were killed. Two EF3s crossed paths in green in Washington counties, coming a couple of hours apart and resulting in eight deaths. The rural communities of Horse Creek and Camp Creek suffered major damage from those tornadoes late that evening. A very large EF4 wedge tornado leveled a mile-wide swath of forest through 14 miles of Great Smoky Mountains National Park. At Chilawi Lake, large metal power line truss towers were torn and thrown from their concrete supports that they were anchored to. A secondary area of severe weather also developed that afternoon and evening along the Interstate 81 corridor from central and northern Virginia northward through Maryland, Pennsylvania, and New York, continued into early April 28th. Many tornadoes touched down in this area as well. Most of these tornadoes were weak, though an EF2 touched down near the town of Halifax, Virginia, and caused severe damage to homes in that area, resulting in one death. Tornado alerts were issued for southern Ontario, as far north as Ottawa as well. One tornado was later confirmed in Fergus, Ontario. 
And so the chain of deadly storms finally passed northward into Canada, leaving a trail of death and destruction behind in 16 states. All the events and towns discussed here were only a fraction of the story. Many more towns and communities were hit in states that were only mentioned briefly. We've done our best not to name names out of respect for all those who have suffered so much. What to take from all this? Why do the story at all? For me, I needed reminding of the destructive power of tornadoes and just how much these people and communities need in terms of support in the aftermath of these horrific storms. On the positive side, the strength of the human spirit and most people's willingness to help others and forget themselves in times of need is amazing. It is also important, I believe, to reiterate facts and fallacies regarding tornadoes, specifically that you won't often see a funnel because the darkness and the rain or hail makes it impossible. That a watch means that conditions are ripe for severe storms that can produce tornadoes. And a warning means take cover in a basement if you have one, with a flashlight and a radio with good batteries, or on a ground floor in a windowless room like a bathroom or under a stairwell with the safety of mattresses or other protection. Building tornado-proof rooms is getting very popular and there are a number of sources that provide instruction. If you live in Tornado Alley, building a tornado-proof room should be a requisite for you and your family. Stay out of vehicles, or if you have no choice, drive, turning at right angles to the storm. Or if you can see it, the twister, leave it. Do not drive into it. Do not assume you are safe in your car or truck, which can both be thrown like matchbox toys in a tornado. Do not park under an overpass, as these can be very dangerous. Have food supplies and water always handy. If you live in a mobile home, leave it and head for the nearest secure building. Avoid staying in buildings with wide, flat roofs. All members of the family should be wearing shoes because after the storm, you may have to cross a lot of broken glass to get where you need to go. In a large outbreak after a tornado has passed, help dig out others and get people to emergency centers and volunteer to help at churches and storm centers. Check on your neighbors. Listen to the weather on a transistor radio to see if more storms are headed your way. Monitor your local news station for updates. I hope some part of this story might help you should you ever be caught in the path of a severe storm or twister. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries. Our Twitter address is at 1001podcast, and our Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash 1001 Heroes. Best of all, you can listen to both our shows, 1001 Heroes and 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales at www.1001storiespodcast.com. You are the best fans in the world. Thanks. Many great stories to come. And you're always welcome to give us ideas and feedback at our email at 1001storiespodcast at gmail.com. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn, and this is our story.